You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. A new research study has found that microplastics have been detected in human blood for the first time and that the amount of microplastics found in babies' feces is 10 times higher than in adults. Microplastics exist in a monumental amount of our environment, with this new discovery raising concerns over how microplastics are affecting our lives. I spoke to Olga Pantos from the Institute of Environmental Science and Research about microplastics and her work on improving measuring systems. I began by asking what the properties of microplastics are. When we talk about microplastics and the effects they can have, um, the different characteristics of them affects that potential impact. So it's not just the plastic polymer. So when you think polyethylene or polypropylene, um, it's, so it's that and also the chemicals that that are associated with that plastic. Um, so either the additives, so they're the things that are deliberately added into the plastic, um, either for when it's being made, so uh, you know allowing it to be formed into the shape of the item you want, or for it to have its function at the end um, when it's made into the item. So things that are meant to be used outside, like outdoor furniture or tarpaulins, things in horticultural or you know, growing plants, they're obviously exposed to huge um, levels of UV radiation. So you might have UV stabilizers in there or even just simple things like the color that you want to achieve. So they're your additives, but they can also take up chemicals and toxicants from the environment. And so those similar chemicals that are out in the environment, they can be absorbed onto the plastic. So they concentrate them up really, really high. Um, they have yeah, your base polymer, those chemical additives, um, the microbes that they associate with, um, and that can be depend uh, changed depending on the polymer type and the chemicals that are associated with them. So if you have a plastic that is more likely to act as a good surface for um, a pathogen, then that is the risk from the plastic. It brings that um, microbial risk with it. The size of the particle affects how it can um, cause an, a, a negative effect on a, an ecosystem. And then the organism they're interacting with, um, whether you're big or small, you know, the size of your plastic, is, its effect depends on the organism. If it's a big whale and a tiny plastic or um, a worm and a tiny plastic, you know, the, the, big, the piece of plastic is still quite big for the, for the worm itself. Um, so all of those different things affect how it can have an impact on, on an organism or the environment. And we have, um, and it's really hard to, to be determining these things because not only um, do we have the different types of polymers, there are all these different types of environmental contaminants, but even just the additives, there are thousands and thousands of them. But then you've got all the different combinations of them as well, the different combinations of the polymer and the additives and multiple additives that could be together as well. There's a, a lot of variables in there to try and determine their, their effects on the environment. So your research looks into um, improving how these are measured. Do you talk a little bit about your research? Yes, the, the research project that I'm co-leading, um, the Arthur Impacts Mitigation of Microplastics, um, part of the project is looking at what is out there in the freshwater and marine and terrestrial systems. Um, and the methods 
that are, are available um, is a challenge. Um, so we're trying to find as good methods as we can um, with the limitations we have on the technology at this time. So one of the biggest limitations is size, like getting down to the really small stuff. And we're starting to see that the smaller the plastic gets, the more the greater potential impact. Because as you get smaller and smaller, you can uh, the plastics are able to do things like cross membranes and pass into cells. Um, but they, it's just really tricky to be able to isolate the plastics from the environmental matrices. Um, and one of the issues with trying to get those small particles separated is also we encounter a lot of environmental contamination. And uh, this, this environmental contamination actually highlights the problem about how much microplastic is out there in the environment. Um, because we have it falling down into our samples all the time. So we know it's there, we know it's, it's a huge problem. Um, there's a huge amount of research being carried around, uh, carried out all around the world trying to better um, solve the problems of the contamination and, and identify the smaller fraction of microplastics in lots of different um, materials, different, different foods and water and environmental matrices. Um, because one method does not suit all of the different types of samples that we're looking at. They have to be optimized for, for each one. So even within food, um, if you're looking at something like a piece of meat, whether it's cooked or not, or an egg, whether it's cooked or not, the methods actually um, have to be quite different. And trying to work it out to be just right um, is proving quite a challenge. But there is, yeah, like I say, a lot of research being carried out to, to solve that so that we can better understand what's out there now and also if we can bring in measures to control what's going out there so we can see that these measures are actually working. And so as you mentioned microplastics they enter a lot of our daily lives but how would these microplastics actually make their way into human blood? We're taking plastics into our bodies and there's two two main routes we're either ingesting them with our food or inhaling them Um, and once they enter the lungs they can be internalized and taken into the bloodstream that way. Or with the food, um, you're ingesting the food and as it passes through your digestive tract, it can be absorbed um, at the same time as the food particles as well. So it gradually can make its way through to the blood. Um, the size that size of a particle that can be taken up um, can, can actually be be quite large um, on a microplastic scale. So in the lungs, it can um, they can be ingested by your immune cells um, and sort of absorbed from from the lungs. And that's about 30 microns is about the, the size of those. And that's the, the natural uh, protection with the cells within the lungs. They're able to do that. And so it sees a bit of plastic and those cells can um, ingest those as well. Um, and as they, things get smaller, as the plastic particles get smaller, it's just easier and easier for them to um, be absorbed through the cell membrane. Um, there's also potential for plastic to be taken up through the skin, um, through sweat glands and just abrasions on the skin. And we have a large amount of plastic still being used in cosmetics, although we've not got microbeads, um, especially in New Zealand, they've been banned now. 
finer and finer particles of plastic are used in um, cosmetics. And so there's a potential route there through the, the skin into our bloodstream. That was Olga Pantos from the Institute of Environmental Science and Research about microplastic pollution. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.